When I wake up in the morning, love And the sunlight hurts my eyes And something without warning, love Bears heavy on my mind Then I look at you And the world's all right with me Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be a lovely You know, I know you as the the uh, cultural icon of books, right? Anytime I think about books, oh wow, I, I think of Miss Ethan. And I'm like, man, I need to read that, and I need to read that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, but you know how? I guess for for you, how did you come to this place of, you know? fostering and mentoring young people and sharing a love for literature and you know really bringing community together to talk about these tomes well well started with the passion for reading and passion for literature Mm -hmm. um and and wanting to do something to highlight literature of the african diaspora Mm -hmm. so I worked over the years <laughs> for many, for most of the arts organizations in New Haven. Hey. Actually, um, I don't think a lot of people realize that. Um, but I have worked at the Arts Council, at Long Wharf, at the Schubert. Mm-hmm. Uh, coordinated a project for the Yale Drama School. All the things. International Festival of Arts and Ideas. Huh? <laughs> no, you, you said everything. Oh, wait, I just, I'm serious. I work for every arts organization in some capacity, whether it was like community liaison, volunteer coordinating. Um, but everywhere I was, I was like pulled together events and tried to get, commun- not try, work to get, um, exposure to the arts for black community i grew up in new haven in um just in the time of of the black panthers Mm -hmm. and consciousness um glad i'm a child of the 60s 70s and saw that and like was a child but experienced a lot of that um i always like to talk about my two grandmothers who were community activists and hey. their um, Annie Huckabee in Newhallville. Hey. She has a corner um, on the corner of Reed and Newhalls, Annie Huckabee Corner. She lived on Reed Street for over 50 years. Um, and my other grandmother was Hattie Turner. She was a liaison for the New Haven Police Department. Um, a, a, it was I, I forgot what the exact title was called. But they both, from both of my grandmothers, um, 
involvement and me being their oldest grandchild. So I got to see and experience a lot of um, what they did. And I have aunts. My mother's sisters were teachers. And they always gave us books, instilled a passion for that for me. Um, so, yeah. So I always had a passion for books. And then it, and I didn't discover, like, re- like really get into black literature till I was almost in middle or high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I did, it was voracious. I went to uh, HBCU at Morgan State. I attended Morgan State University. Um, so and it was mostly my <clears throat> adult life that I got really delving into more and more of, of um, black literature, African-American literature, and, and looking at the, um, the, all the writers and all the contributions mm-hmm. of, of this arts of the African diaspora, period. So from all of that culminating in, in working in all these spaces, in addition to also working in social services, um, I've just had so many jobs. Like people my age are retiring from one thing, and I'm like, oh god, I didn't stay nothing that long. <laughs> and it was by choice. It was like, you know, oh, I want to do that, or I want to do that. Mm. Oh, you know, those something like things like that. But um, <clears throat> I was away. I was living in New York. Moved back here in 2018 to take care of my mom, mm. and I was um approaching my 60th birthday and was not going to it's like you know new haven has is is going through an art the greater new haven area has gone through an arts renaissance mm. and it was a good time to be back um in the arts and i wanted to be involved in some kind of way so i was like you know what we don't have a book festival so i'm gonna do a book festival just like that oh. <laughs> oh. and so because of my relationship with, um, and I was formerly, I was also years ago on the Cultural Affairs Commission for New Haven. And I'm glad to say that, um, again, um, that just appointed this year again for the Cultural Affairs Commission. So there, there's relationships that I've had over the years. And so, um, yeah, started Lit Fest. Came up with the idea of let's do a black book festival. It's going Elm City Lit Fest, and um, and and to celebrate and and show everyone the significance and the contributions of literate literary arts of the African diaspora, because you know people hear the names mm. of the authors of James Baldwin of Zora Neale Hurston and even of these wonderful modern day writers there are some great writers um uh and unless they're like and there's also unless people are like on new york times list you know everybody don't know about them but there's a lot of good writers so yeah wanted to give local regional and global authors authors of color an opportunity to be to have exposure and to expose everybody to them no, that 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 is, um, you know, I. 
uh, being a son of the 90s, right? Uh, New Haven is very much different. And to read about the past of New Haven and then think about the present, there's just so much that has been erased but that we can find through literature. And I, uh, uh, one of my favorite books, Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, mm-hmm. um, I was amazed to learn that he was a guest lecturer here at Yale for a time. And it just, you know, that connection of books where I'm like, hold on. <laughs> like these stories, I'm like, some of these stories might have been from here on these streets, the places that we share. Exactly. And, you know, it's interesting that, you know, we're the, what I call Yale the plantation of New Haven. <laughs> Um, or New Haven, the plantation of yeah, <laughs> however you want to think of it, um, because there's so many people that are from New Haven that work at Yale, mm. and there are resources at the university that are hidden that are not always like you know there's some people that share. I'm not saying everybody doesn't share the resources or the opportunities. Like I want to say when I when I bef- the first when I was starting LitFest and and going around having meetings with folks and letting folks know about it, um, and I had a meeting and I found out that like Roxane Gay was guest lecturer mm. for that year or semester whatever, and I, I and like you said Ralph Allison was here right, and so there's sometimes they bring in whether it's literary or otherwise they bring in folks that are known and they don't the community doesn't know they're here right their lectures sometimes they have talks or or events that are open to the public but unless you are tapped in Mm. you don't know about that so it's a control kind of thing right so they, they, they keep the people in the bubble. So my initial thing was when I started Lift as if y'all got somebody coming <laughs> Come through. You know, can they can I can I get an hour at, at Litfest or something like that? But the because the assumption because of the assumption of of the Yale the some of the Yale folks that New Haven always somebody from New Haven always comes in looking for something. The, before I even got that request in, I was told, well, we don't have no money. You should go to, you should go to, over, have you been over to the Stetson? I grew up in Dixville behind the Stetson. I know Diane Brown because I grew up with her. Hey. Like, so. Also, no money. Why are you telling me? <laughs> $30 billion? It, well, <laughs> You know, it was initially, I, I, I had raised, I had, you know, I knew I, I have in my lifetime because I work for nonprofits, had to write a couple of grants. So I had a, a little bit of funds up there. So, but my thing was, if somebody is already here, and st- that you're paying already, can I get, a, can I get an hour of their time? Thanks. Right. Have them come and do something at, this is my first year. And, and like combine with Litfest, like have them do a, a workshop or a panel or just a talk about their book or do a book signing, something like that. 
at the fest and it was it was met with that like i did like i said justin first i had a meeting scheduled with some people i ain't gonna name them (laughs) (laughs) um and i got there a little early and i had to wait because they had other things and by the time they got to me and i had my little proposal with the like this is what i'm doing yada 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 it's like oh this is what this is great but you know we don't have any money have you been over to the library it's like I said, I, did, I didn't come here for money. I came here for a resource. If you know of someone that does something, then I started emailing people within Yale because at the time, I, I did work part-time at Yale. Mm-hmm. So I started emailing people within. And then, you know, anybody paying attention to my little book festival that just started, right? So it's okay. I've been to books, and I have, and, and the other reason I want to do book festival because I love them. Like, I am book nerd okay so i i'm going to my goal is to create a, have the elm city lit fest be as big as the brooklyn book festival is as the boston book festival is as like there's so many book festivals across the country miami um and i've been to um brooklyn well i lived in brooklyn so i always went to the brooklyn one harlem book festival mm-hmm. all them so that's what I wanted to create. The whole Harlem Book Festival, they closed down a hundred and um the uh Lexington Lex uh no hundred and thirty street from Lexington Avenue all the way to eighth Avenue to, which is like about five city blocks. That's huge. They have along the way a lot of vendors and um entertainment, children's stage, reading stages or readings things like that so that my vision was that it is that right and the brooklyn book festival takes over the whole downtown brooklyn um and also and then there's the boston book festival which is up uh takes over a big square up there i forgot where it is but um between between or before and after the boston and the brooklyn book festival People can be at the Elm City Lit Fest, right? Hey. <laughs> That's the goal. To be as big and ha- and get the authors that come in thin. So, yeah. So, um, but flash forward to our fourth year, which is our past year. We did, we were in collaboration with a literary conference that was happening hey. at the African American Studies Department, which went very well. Um, they were doing um, a literacy, literature, uh, romance fiction, the Literature of Hope conference. Mm-hmm. So we were able to collaborate with them. And we collaborated in, in addition with the um, uh, Jamaican American Connection. Hey, okay. So, you know, for just like, but it, it wasn't hard with the Jamaican American. But Yale this year, I mean, you don't they, know. they came to us at four years later right and said so now i could go back to that office that does have the money and say well we did this collaboration last year you got a couple of dollars now <laughs> okay because we're bigger and better and i'm, I'm grateful i'm mm-hmm. just grateful because i understand that we live in a space new haven is a big town little city and i understand that we live in a space that 
people have to see it to believe it, right? It's like, what is that movie where the guy said he's going to build, build a baseball field in the middle of a cornfield <laughs> and they will come, you know. So I want to say in, the, in our fourth year now they will come. They have been coming because this was our biggest one. And we, and we did it at the library. <laughs> <laughs> For those of y'all who are just joining us, you're listening to Just In Time Conversations, WNHHFM 103.5. Uh, talking with Miss Ife about Lit Fest and about all the great things of literature. Um, you know, I, I have not read much of Baldwin. Right. Um, and, and, and there's so many uh, amazing authors. And so what what made you decide to put on this anniversary event of 100 years of Baldwin? Well, August 2nd is his birthday. Hey. <laughs> so um, he'll it will be a, he'll be 100 years old. And I, one of my my introductions to um to I, I i fell in love with the black renaissance writers with langston hughes and hey. zora neale hurston and classics like um county cullen nella larson like a lot of the harlem renaissance writers and the writers that came through that and through that era struggle lorraine hansberry who hey. her first her premiere was at the Schubert, right? Oh. She wrote um, uh, an essay to be young, gifted, and black. While um, when um, uh, *Raising in the Sun* was premiering at the Schubert before it went on Broadway, the Schubert is called the Schubert because the Schubert brothers built of something like that. That because all the all the Broadway shows used to premiere at the Schubert in New Haven before they went to Broadway. If they made it in New Haven, then it was like, boom, we, we you know, we'll take it to Broadway, right? So um, she was in Taft Hotel, and she wrote an essay, but um, and she was good friends of Baldwin. Um, James Baldwin has a range of work and essays. Mm-hmm. Like, I would ad- advise you to you haven't if you're not familiar with a lot of his writing to start with his his essay work um we're going to premiere the film i am not your negro at um at the miller mitchell in um, westville miller is in hamden right yeah mitchell (laughs) the mitchell library sorry marion huggins um on um January 29th um, with a discussion about that um, the film and the book so um, I encourage everybody to come out to that but he James Baldwin's quotes about racism mm. and oppression I mean he was a black gay man who was very so so intense and poignant in so many ways in all his stories um if bill street could talk i mean it's a love story but it's a struggle in there 
I, I, I can't even <laughs> explain like the range of his work that he has. Um, it's it, to me, it's, there's a love story in there, but it's also toxic, but it's also about people's struggles is Giovanni's room. Yeah. Um, uh, shoot. I can't, now I can't, I'm going blank on all the things, but he has a lot of, and what I would advise is like, read his essays <clears throat> and, and, and hear his, um, and just hear him talk his interviews on YouTube about race. Like, like people ask ridiculous, just ridiculous questions about race, like what they're wondering about. And it's the sixties, bro. Well, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's why um i feel like his the messages within his work were timeless enough that we we cannot forget um these things are not new and there are things that we can learn about how to how to move within this thing what move within this oppressive kind of, not kind of, this oppressive society that we we're, we have. We have it. Right. We in it. You know, it's an oppressive society that we're, they did. People don't realize how racist they are. They really don't. And then they have to be called on it a lot of times. It gets weary. And then there are some, there, not that everybody does. Some people do know. They clear. I and, can appreciate that. And we are resilient. <laughs> we are resilient people that we either, we cope by, um, in, in in different ways of how we got to deal with it as well. You know, everybody doesn't want to see it. Right? Those are the people that say, oh, I've never experienced any racism. But then you, you still get followed around the store. I like, you know, when I, whenever, it hasn't happened in a while. But when I when I have gotten followed around a store, especially a clothing store, I, I they turn into my personal shopper. Oh, you want to follow me, bitch? Ooh, excuse me, sorry, Harry. Um, we you gonna like okay? Hold this, hold this. I give them a whole bunch of stuff, and then okay, we can. I want to try everything on. You with me? How look? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I will get on your nerves. Oh, you want to follow me? You're going to be my personal shopper. That's how I deal with it. You know, even in a grocery store. Oh, you paying for these groceries? Let me find out. <laughs> what, what would you recommend? Like, you know, I, was... I know, I will pause and stop, have a conversation, come with me. Follow you want to follow me through this? You gonna work for it? I think you know. Well, before I go, before I say this, uh, Babs says, "Hey, Ife, three heart emojis and three Christmas trees." So, <laughs> and I will see you um, singing in the hood tonight. Hey, <laughs> we're doing Christmas carols. Oh, you know, Babs is doing tonight and Thursday uh, at six p.m. at seventy-five Ivy Street. Hey. Her annual Christmas. She just started it last year, but, you know. And people need to start it in their own neighborhoods right. and stop asking Babs to be all over town. <laughs> you got a neighborhood. You live in it. 
Come on now. Just start a movement. Like, that's the other thing. Like, folks be like, how did you do that? How how you, like, how did you start this book festival? I just wanted it to happen. I just wanted it to happen. Like, and I went to the Arts Council first. And at the time, Dan Fitzmorris was there. So I want to do this book festival. And I have a vision for it. And actually, it was 2019, 18, 18, 19 when I started planning it. Mm-hmm. First one was supposed to be in uh, May. Oh, no, April of 2020. <laughs> so the first year um, was um, virtual. We did do virtual in September. And because, um, and that went over pretty well. That, that happened. It went pretty well. And so um, I changed it to the September time because, it again, the Brooklyn Book Festival happens in September and the Boston September-October time. So I was like, it, I could get people coming up that East Coast kind of thing. And authors are already in the, that are already in the area will come through. And also I have to give a shout-out to um, Hartford, um, while I was planning Lit Fest, um, there's a group in Hartford called the Literary Literary Integrated Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. They are writers um, and poets and performers that came together and started doing Hartford's Lit. Uh-huh. So they also, and we use, and, and again, with scheduling, she's either before, or they're either before or after Lit Fest. So it because it's about um, it's about getting the information to everyone, like collectively working collectively. There's no competition. Thanks. You know what I mean? Um, the in Connecticut has a literary festival, which is wonderful. It's held at um, Real Art Ways, usually I think in the springtime, and it's most of the literature. It's very academic. It's a lot of the state schools people from the state schools that are writers, which is great. And they get local writers too, um, or, or Connecticut-based writers. So it's, it's nice. You know, it's it's a good thing. Um, but again, I like we could have a New London book festival, Bridgeport book festival. Like <laughs> everybody, because as I've been planning in the now five years, I've been planning Lit Fest, um, or six years, um, I've been just so many um, local people, so many local regional people living within this state are are so talented in Mm -hmm. writing. And a lot of people are self-published and trying to find ways to put their stuff out there, you know. Um, So, yeah, it's been been so interesting. And then people also, I heard some things like comments like, oh, people don't read anymore. Yes, they do. They just don't tell you sometimes. Or there's a community for everyone. That's how I feel. There's a community for everyone. And the people that usually tell me that are people that don't read. Because you don't. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I... One of the things that I appreciate about reading is that you can take it at your own pace. And I've realized that there are times where there are some books that I've picked up and just where I was in my life, I wasn't ready to 
embrace the wisdom that they are ready to put out. Mm. And and one of the things that I find about, you know, Baldwin and about many others is, you know, when it came to race relations during that time, what? people just wrote very honestly. There was no... He had nothing to lose. There was no fluff. There was no talking around. And... and- he had nothing to lose, and they always wanted him. Every, all these white interviewers always wanted to talk to him. Him and Maya Angelou and Toni Morrison got more um, interview. Like, they got more requests for it. You could, you could YouTube so many interviews that they're on that white people are asking them, why are you feeling this way? Like, basically, what is, what is like, you you have not walked in my shoes. You have no idea how your people are being to my people. Like, and you're really asking me this? And why not? Like one, uh, and I ne- never forget this one interview with Toni Morrison. This woman asked her, why are your characters black? What else would they be? Girl. <laughs> like, would you but have you asked would, that somewhere else? But you don't ask that to anyone else. You know what I'm saying? And it's to the point where there I have met some writers that are people of color or biracial or whatever who say, I don't I, I just write characters. I don't give them um a race. I don't I don't I don't have a I, I, yeah, they they're they're not they're not racial. I don't want people to see color. We all see color. When you see a red light, you stop. Thanks. When you see a green light, you go. We all see color. It ain't going nowhere. Don't say you don't see color because you do. We don't want to deal with each other where we are a lot of the time. And when people are real about, you know, it's not... For me, I'm 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 not. I, I feel like I love my culture first. Hey. I want to learn about my culture first. I want to have as much of me knowing, and that's what was instilled in me mm. from my grandmothers and my elders and people within my community. Like we get our our we get recharged, we get re-energized. And we get what we need. That's why we have to have duality sometimes, right? And it's okay to be, to know yourself first. Nobody questions when um, other other races have, other folks have uh, schools that just teach their children their language, okay. in their language, or about their traditions. And then we have Kwanzaa, and it's also all of a sudden revolutionary. It's like, ooh, ooh, what is that? A black Christmas? Is it this? No. It's the 26th. Stop playing. Go on, like and my it's canard. A, <laughs> it's a celebration of our culture that came out of a movement and a realization that we don't know enough about ourselves. Because I did have people say, why Black Book Festival? Because we don't know enough about ourselves. And no and people cannot name and, and there are teachers there are teachers who try, 
who who get who get it in there, who fit it in when they when they can, because of, of now we have an educational system that does that limits because they're teaching to test, but it limits how things get integrated. And there are there are there are educators that do work hard to integrate their culture cultural um um or backlashes on that reality and backlashes on that reality right you I, know i read the autobiography of malcolm x i remember i found it in high school just found an old copy mm-hmm. and you know one of my uh teachers you know we were reading ethan Frome or something i was like bro this, <laughs> like this is just not reaching me, right? And I was like, can I read this instead? And, and to their wisdom, they allowed me to. And that was just so transformative in what I needed at that time. Mm-hmm. But the themes and the things and the realities that were taught were true to my community in Newhall, right? And some would say they might not have been appropriate, Right. But it was appropriate because of the, the things that I was taught, the things that I was allowed to to ponder upon from a different perspective, from a different time. And in literature over over the years, artists have been at the forefront of a lot of revolutions, of a lot of movements, right? Um, and it expands minds because it cracks me... And now I want to say any book of uh, uh, African diaspora book festival, a, a Latin book festival, whatever kind of book festival you want to have right now, that's outside of the box. We need, especially with these ignorant states banning books, these ignorant people banning books, the books that they haven't even read. Because on some of these banned book lists, they don't have the authors correctly. Like, so you not even looking at the book. You just hearing something. It limits your mind. Like you said, your class is reading Ethan Frome. You was like, okay. Oh, I ain't getting this. <laughs> right? And then you you read the autobiography of Malcolm X. And you're like, wow. Okay. And you see that a figure like him was had a had an origin had a beginning that was similar to how you live it um there are <clears throat> stories that have similarities there are stories that people can relate to um th- there's so much <clears throat> that if people only read them and then the other thing is when i was little and and you know when Books just take you somewhere else. Thanks. And it opens up the world to you. If you are, if, 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 if I, I feel like holy, like sometimes people can't afford cable, right? Kids ain't got, you know, if you can bring up them up in the house of culture. I know there was a couple of times in, in, in my life, in my daughter's lifetime, Raven, um, you know, she's 34. Like we, there was times where I had to make a choice of a cable bill or food, so we had to do that. But she had a library. I shouldn't say but, and she had a library. 
and we had uh, what you the video the VHS <laughs> the DVDs. We used to go to Best Video <laughs> and get and Best Video had a really good collection of um, of films of African American films. I was uh, because I grew up in the 60s 70s. I loved. I don't know why they call them black exploitation, but it's those films, <laughs> right? Because some of them were not exploitation. No. Okay. Because Shaft hey. was a hero. Facts. He was trying to get do some good in his without outside of the police department because he didn't trust the police. They couldn't mess with him, but they wanted to work with him because he had the inside scoop. And he, at the end of the day, the crooks he got the crooks for them okay. right if you think about oh my god one of my best ones is pam greer pam greer was a professional she was a nurse coffee brown all her all the pam greer movies is about wait we got drugs in our neighborhood that what she's seeing people dying she's seeing needles her brother somebody think about like nobody that's not black exploitation mm-hmm. that's us saving us Getting like, and I give it, I, I have to give it to Shelly Winters because she was a white actress that always got messed up in the end at, in one of those movies. She was always the bad white lady, you know, and there was a few white actors that like they, they got, ex, I, you they, they, the bottom line was get out of our neighborhoods and they always had a group of brothers. They didn't want to, they didn't say the Black Panthers, but there was a group of them, them activist brothers that they all had to go to with their guns and get the things happening. That's, that was, and so to, to flip it and say that's black exploitation, that puts a stigma on it and makes us feel like, oh, you know, that's a, no, it wasn't, it was about the, to me, the messages in those movies were, let's get the origin of the thing out of our neighborhood and clean up our, and protect ourselves. Like they, when people say the Black Panther Party, they don't say the full name. It's the Black Panther Party for self-defense. When I was growing up, and I saw the Black Panther Party, in the it, it, at their headquarters or what, or doing anything, it's like I, we got breakfast from them, right? People that give you breakfast on, and take you to school and make sure you got your homework done. Thanks. Single moms are dropping their kids off so they could go to work and know they got breakfast, right? Them in the in the Nation of Islam brothers were straight. They were they were respectful, right? Nobody was right. They made sure that the little the drug addicts and the drug dealers left us alone. Things like that, like nobody thinks of it as the protection part. Whenever it is for us by us, or it's it's for our defense it's sort of as radical you know and it's a mindset so nobody thinks that way no there 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 is much education uh centered in that and both right reading for us and outside of us right i uh i i i often think about you know as we move forward you know what what you see podcasts you see audiobooks there's more ways to engage mm-hmm. with uh 
with words than there were before and so you know why is it so important to you right to have these opportunities for people to circle around books and to have these reading groups that you have like why why is that still important um it because like i said earlier it expands people's minds it, it gives you opportunity to think um and i want to give a shout out to possible futures our hey. girl lauren who is weekly she exhausted but she <laughs> weekly doing a lot to to um enhance everyone's knowledge of all people's literature mm. not one against the other she you know there are um, big independent independent bookstores overall because we did an independent bookstore tour um, on our way to the Library of Congress last weekend. So we stopped in in New York and in Philly and in DC and um, to other independent bookstores, and each one was different and unique. And offered different things and had different audiences and a lot of the books were the same and a lot of some books were different and some things were different but they all served a community right where you see like some of them the ones that offered like they had like a coffee shop in them or something they had people chilling hanging out people exchanging ideas you know um, and some of them were near universities and some of them were not. But the bottom line is it, it brings together community. It caught, like reading, it enhances all aspects of your life. Your literacy is up, your comprehension of things. Don't just take stuff. Watching TV will wear you, wear you out. Like the news, taking things at face value. Because I, I look at the news, but I also look at the Washington Post and the New York Times and see what they're trying to say. Because, you know, propaganda is propaganda is propaganda. <laughs> but because I read a lot of things, it's just, it, it, you know, I'm not the most brilliant person. But your ideas are shaped by that. If you don't read anything, I, I really feel like people limit themselves. By not at least reading something like to read Octavia Butler or J.K. N.K. Jemison, they um, write. I don't even want to say science fiction, but like other. So it gives you the possibility of other worlds, you know. All this Marvel movie stuff that we're doing now is out of books out of comic books okay. that take people and, and i and i say to people all the time because we also um we became culturally lit because we wanted to expand on top of just not just lit fest to do other things and um after having a segment of comic and graphic novels in lit fest for two years three years we decided to do diasporacon mm. which is a conference not a convention but a conference 
to expose people of color to the opportunities in the graphic novel and comic book industry because Disney and Marvel and all these places now want, I mean, they, they, they use animators. It's graphic designers and animators and people that build stories. If folks didn't start reading something from the beginning, then that wouldn't happen. Right. So it's really important. It's really, that's why it's important to me to keep this genre going, to keep it going. And happy to know that, you know, independent bookstores like Possible Futures is, is getting a lot of play. A lot of people want to have their events there, do this or that. And it's like, yeah, but buy some books too. <laughs> it's a cool space. Because of books too. She got to keep the lights on. Keeping the lights on, y'all are listening <laughs> to Just In Time Conversations, WNHHFM 103.5. Um, here with Miss Ife talking about all things books. Um, you know, you shared a little bit about your vision about what you want um, LitFest to be, to become, to manifest. Um, but can you share about the the programming that you do with youth? Oh, so, well, that's that's separate. But um, there's a, <laughs> a place called the Institute Library that's... Hey. Um, a membership library downtown New Haven has been around forever. Um, before my time. <laughs> yeah, for both of our time. But um, I guess back in the day before there were public libraries, there were um, membership libraries that were like an old boys network. Old white guys go in there, smoke cigars, drink some bourbon, and read old books. Because that's the society that it was back then. <laughs> that's the that's a. You know, that's a reality. People get mad at the at, at history, right? You ain't got to get mad at Look how we evolved from it. Mm-hmm. Like, we learn things all the time, every century, right? And we got to learn things from that. That's what, the way it was back then. We can't change it. We could just change where we're going. Okay. So anyway, Institute Library, Membership Library. Um, and um, there, after the George Floyd incident, when everybody had, was feeling guilty, about seeing something happen for like the 10 billionth time. 10 billionth time. And it felt like they had to do something. Um, and they recognized that their institution was predominantly old white people. Um, got together and raised some money for a program called the Social Justice Reader. Hmm. Um, they want, the program is designed to help um, high school uh, juniors um, have um, something to put on their resume. So they, for five months, participate in a, um, in a in the program and create a project around a social justice issue that is, has something they're passionate about. So they're passionate about a certain issue they can, um, um, we've had, this is the third year of the project, and they get a stipend for participating. They get a mentor that um, is, a, is a resource for them, and I coordinate everybody through that. They, and um, Yes, and they get a stipend for their participation, and at the end of the five months, they present their project um, 
so yeah so in this this is the third year of that um project and initially um the first year that it was happening i was a mentor and um it was a it it, it had a little rocky start um during that year because uh, it was just getting off the ground everybody was trying to figure out what exactly it would be as things do when they start out right mm -hmm. so now we're getting some grounding and um yeah we have 15 students that applied for the program and um we have um, nine students starting in january okay. still looking for a couple of mentors justin eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the uh no, I, 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 I think, you know, these spaces, right, they're bringing people into these spaces, bringing people into spaces and places that share knowledge, that share stories is so important. And, and I uh, appreciate you as a person being a facilitator to bring people into places um, as a uh, as I uh, as I look around, I'm like, man, I figured out this the hard way. I'm like, if I would have known better, I should have just went to Pacife. Oh no, <laughs> listen, um, this is school of hard knocks, and it's not always. And I have been because in the times that I worked for the arts organizations that I mentioned earlier, um, there was only a couple of us in the room, if any. So. Um, that's why I say like we need our own spaces for to re-energize and recharge to deal with that because there's still people going through it now. Um, and I've I've come to a place too where I I I create mail, create something for me to do mm. with with culturally lit in Elm City Lit Fest. Um. Because it's it's not always I'm tired of being the only one in the room. Okay. And um it's exhausting. Right? I like passing the baton though. Hey. Okay. I do I have a group of young women that work with me that I love. Okay. And one is Charmaine McAllister who is rising star hey. of of arts administration in New Haven. <laughs> Um, and Juanita, Austin, hey. and uh, Zania, and um, Zania Leon, and Naomi Jones, all wonderful, beautiful, talented young women. And there's so many. I always try to, in every aspect, everything that I do, bring along somebody. Because I'm 64. I'm going to be 65 in September. And guess who ain't doing this forever? <laughs> I mean, I like, you got to pass things along to another generation. People don't think about when the Black Panthers start. They look at these people now. Like, you look at Angela Davis and this. She was like 19, 20 years old, people. When people was in that struggle, Fred Hampton was annihilated at 19. Okay, all these things come from young people and their energy. And then I say to people that like ex have, have an expectation of an organization that is not 
that a white organization or other whatever organization don't have it if they're not giving you what you need you create what you need mm. and you create it and they will come <laughs> well as we close out i uh, um my favorite question to ask people what's a song that we can remember y'all by a song a song yeah oh jesus I like so much music that I can't even, I can't pinpoint just one. Give us a person. So, oh my God. An album. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One of my favorite albums is one of my cleaning music album is um, soundtrack from Claudine. Is a movie that um, James Earl Jones and Diane Carroll was in um, in in the sixties. So I say the soundtrack from Claudine. Well, we gotta listen to the soundtrack from Claudine. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Miss. Think it was produced by Curtis Mayfield. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming down, and uh, I will be making sure to share out the information for. January 29th for the Baldwin event. And monthly Baldwin book talks at Possible Futures. Hey, until next time, let's continue to plant the seeds of change so we can grow together. Even though you know I will, I'm a traveling man, moving through places, space and time. Got a lot of things I got to go. God willing, I'm coming back to you, baby boo. I'm a traveling man, moving through places, space and time. Got a lot of things I got to do. God willing, I'm coming back to you, baby boo. I'm leaving.